This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, episode 201 inch. On this episode, we interview comedy writer Rob Kuttner. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Aloha, Ethan. Aloha, Dave. And I mean that in the hello way. How much fun was it to talk to Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West again on the last episode? It was pretty stinking majestic. I always love hearing from Kimo. He shared some really incredible stories and, and information, and it was so great hearing about the tour and this new album. I am so excited that our physical copies have finally arrived of his brand new album, available now at jimkimowest.com, of Wood and Spirit. I've been spinning my copy nonstop. And I've been spinning myself in circles nonstop until I get dizzy and throw up. I don't think you're supposed to do that, Dave. Don't tell me how to listen to music. Well, anyway, Dave, from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, I wanted to wish a very extra special, pretty stinking majestic happy birthday to Weird Al's film UHF. Yes, happy 34th birthday, UHF. And what about that special birthday from Monday? Oh, I'm so embarrassed that you had to remind me. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, happy birthday, Ruth Buzzy. Yes, happy 87th birthday to Ruth Buzzy. But I believe Monday was also the birthday of someone whose name starts with D-A and ends with Rossi. Oh, yes. How can I forget? Monday was the birthday of Italian soccer player Daniel De Rossi. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000... Are you kidding me? There was someone else. Whoa, what are the odds of that? Pretty good, if you ask me and Daniel. Anyway, moving on to... Ah, let's see. It appears, uh, Dave, you celebrated a birthday recently. Uh, how was that? I knew you wouldn't forget my birthday. Yeah. Oh, but it was great. I spent the whole day at that new amusement park, Tool Town. Tool Town? How awesome! Yeah, I really wanted to go to the History of Refrigerators Museum, but they were sold out. Oh man, they're always sold out. Well, anyway, Dave, happy birthday from all of your much, much younger friends and listeners here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Congratulations on being born a really, really long time ago. Hey, watch it with those getting old jokes. Oh, don't worry, Dave. I'm not going to make any age jokes because I just genuinely feel bad about how old you are. Uh, thanks. Of course. And I also don't want to contribute to your age-related hearing loss from hearing all of these hilarious jokes about how old you are and how you, you know, you fart. Oh boy, that sound means we have a voicemail on our 347 spatula hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. All right, intern Frank, uh, take it away! Dave and Ethan, it's UH Jeff and Chloe. We just wanted to wish you a happy 200th inch. How exciting. Chloe, would you like to add anything else? You're basically the third co-host of the podcast. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, okay, that's better. Goodbye. UH Jeff and Chloe, thank you so much for calling in, wishing us a happy 200 inch. And we cannot wait to have both of you on the podcast again real soon. Ooh, another voicemail on the 347 Spatula Hotline. All right, let's hear this one. 200. 200. 200. 200. Happy 200th episode. From Adriana Yukovich. Jeff Nustera, a.k.a. UH Jeff. And Scott. And Scott Sorensen. Scott O'Brother. Scott Well, thanks again, Jeff. And thank you, Adriana and Scott. Uh, they do know that this is our 201st episode, right? Whoa, is that another spatula message? Hey, Dave and Ethan, this is Metal Pow, a.k.a. Chad Kelson, and I just wanted to call and congratulate you on 201 episodes. I can't believe you made it that far. 201. Wow. 
Well, thank you, Metal Al, for the congratulatory call. As you've done for each and every episode so far, we cannot wait to hear what you have to say for episode 202-inch. But once again, thank you so much to Chad, Jeff, Chloe, Adriana, and Scotter Brothers for the awesome congratulatory calls. And now I think it's time for What's Happening in Burrito Burrito Related News? Last week, Burrito Burrito announced that they will be closing their restaurant in Troy, New York as of August 1st. Oh no, the humanity! Oh no, Dave! Alright, calm down, Ethan. Before you spill too many vegan tears, I'm excited to report that Burrito Burrito will be moving its operations to Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Whoa! Woohoo! Um, but... Doesn't that mean intern Frank will need to write us a brand new ad for next episode? Yes, it does. But until then, for one final time, for nostalgia's sakes. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla, Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say, Beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. So wipe away those vegan tears and visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations to Chris and Alex and the entire Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger team. And now we're thrilled to introduce you to this episode's guest. So take it away, Dave. We are very excited to welcome to the podcast an Emmy-winning comedy writer who wrote for the TV show Conan on TBS. And he also wrote for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and Teen Titans Go. And most recently, he's the author of Snot Goblins and Other Tasteless Tales, which just came out on July 25th. We are so honored to welcome to the podcast, Rob Kuttner. How are you doing, Rob? I'm great. We're so excited to have you on. And Dave, I know you, you mentioned a lot of his stuff, but you did forget something very important. Rob is our friend and supporter and listener, Joe Jaffa's cousin. <laughs> See, I, I always start yes. with the Joe Jaffa's cousin. I leave with that. I was going to get there. Don't worry. Okay, okay. Get there. <laughs> Bury the lead. <laughs> no, because yes, yeah. I mean, Joe, of course, is a is a huge Weird Al fan and a, a great friend of ours and listener of our podcast. And he was the one that actually connected us. So that that was really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and so thank you, Joe, for connecting us with Rob. And uh, Rob, you got quite a connection yourself to uh, Weird Al, which we're definitely going to want to get into. That's for sure. Oh, I thought we were just interviewing him because of his connection to Joe Jaffa. Yeah, <laughs> we're just going to go over the family tree right now. I have a diagram. Right? Joe is your cousin? Yeah. Is that correct? Okay, awesome. So you've known him f- for quite a while. I think he's my I think he's my second cousin, I believe. Oh, he's a second cousin. He's he's not a uh, first cousin. <laughs> Maybe once removed. <laughs> but that was that's his fault. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we have a lot to cover, Rob. Dave mentioned you have a brand new book, and I, I can't wait to talk about that. But first, I think we need to talk about how you got started in your career. How did you become a comedy writer? Well, the very first stage was being super annoying to everybody in school, because <laughs> I was always, I, I was described as a little bit like the Matrix, like I just saw funny things that no one else did, and I would laugh at them and comment on them, like in the ether. And I'd be like, whoa, joke. Um so yeah, so I was I always had a you know humorous sensibility, and I got into writing just as a sort of a fun thing. I think in junior high and high school, I used to make like you know funny cartoons, even though I'm a terrible drawer and stuff, just to make my friends laugh. And then I went to college, and I wasn't really planning, I wasn't thinking about this as a professional thing. Um, and then pretty late into college, um, I I applied for an internship at Mad Magazine. Did not get it, which is ironic because I worked for them later on. But I didn't get it. But I enjoyed putting the putting the um, the samples together, the submission so much. I was like, this is really fun, and I just started imagining that as a job. And it suddenly like took over, and I looked around and realized that all the extracurriculars I was doing in college were comedy or humor related in one way or another. And I was like, I think the universe is telling me something. So I um I eventually moved out to Los Angeles, and um, I was writing with a partner, and um, I don't know how detailed you want the story to be, <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, like a lot of writers starting out, you try a lot of different things, so I was trying writing some sitcom scripts, I was writing 
screenplays. I was entering contests. I was trying to find an agent, all this sort of thing, taking yeah. classes. And, you know, the thing that eventually paid off uh, was that um, my writing partner got a job as an internship on a, on a, on a comedy channel with a, um, with a chat, which would have like a celebrity guest. It was like a fake news show and it would have like a celebrity new uh, celebrity guest on each week. And this celebrity was Dennis Miller. Uh, and this is Dennis Miller before he was sort of like more on the right wing. And he was like, when he had this HBO show, he's pretty um, very like libertarian point of view. And that show was really well done. And so my friend got an internship on that. Uh, my friend met Dennis and Dennis hired him to be on his show. And then my friend introduced him to me and said, and, um, opened the door for me to sort of submit some jokes as a freelancer to them. And I was really bad at it. I was just really sucked <laughs> at writing these jokes. And, but I kept, I kept, I, I liked Dennis's work on SNL and his, his comedy albums. And I really hammered away at it. And, uh, they looked at my jokes, but they didn't ever buy any. But then like, you know, after about two years of this, I gotten a lot better at it and he got moved up. And so I was brought in as a writer's assistant, which is like in TV is sort of like sometimes kind of an apprentice job where, Every in the really nice shows, they'll sort of promote you from within if you've like earned your time there. So, um, so they moved him up and they brought me in as a writer's assistant, like a secretary of the writers. And I was writing jokes, you know, sort of unofficially for them sometimes, but I was there for a couple of seasons and I, I got better at it and I got the voice of the show down and I got stuff onto the show. And when they had an opening in the writing staff, um, he promoted me. So, um, so that was my first job on, on Dennis Miller Live, uh, way back. And then, um, through some connections and through some more writing samples and a bunch of stuff, I ended up getting a job on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and moved to New York for that. And uh, oh, you asked how I started, so I can stop now. Now I'm, now I'm gonna leave you at that cliffhanger. <laughs> no, that's incredible. I mean, going from Dennis Miller to Jon Stewart, that's incredible. I mean, it's a big like political shift, too. It's pretty interesting, too. Yeah, it's like I got the yeah. bends, I think. Right. <laughs> and then you, you spent quite a lot of time at The Daily Show. I know IMDb says. Yeah. 1,027 episodes that you worked on. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't but... think IMDb is those. <laughs> IMDb can't really handle late night people because it's like it's the quantity is too much. But okay. basically, I was there for about seven years uh, when the show was really starting to take off during the the, the Bush administration, and then if it into Obama, and then and then I kind of got a little bit burned out on that stuff. Um, you have to watch a lot of Fox News for that job, mm, <laughs> right? Yeah, not good for the soul. So I was looking to do something a little bit lighter, and that this is when the Tonight Show, um, Conan O'Brien was taking with the Tonight Show in, in L.A., and my wife and I had wanted to move back to L.A. from New York, and so I applied for that show, and then I ended up on the Tonight, the ill-fated Conan show. Right, right, <laughs> um, right. Moved out here for that family with the with my family and a, a, a new baby, only to have that flame out, and then fortunately they hired me for the uh, the TBS one uh, after that, which I was on for about nine years. Yeah. You said the ill-fated, and it's sort of like this weird mark on, on late-night TV, the whole thing with The Tonight Show and, you know, the way Jay Leno was acting. And, you know, do you just, do you have a hatred for Jay Leno at this point? Is that, <laughs> is that just how everyone felt, or was well, it you more know, politics? It's, it's been a him? while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I think I have a certain, like, uh, I don't really, like, respect him that much as a comedian. <laughs> um, I think he actually started out as a really sharp comedian and stuff like that. I think he just becomes, you know, sort of hacky and, you know, middle brow and that sort of stuff. I didn't. I thought it was a very uncool move that he did with that particular thing. But, um, you know, like, with some age and some wisdom, I also am like, you know, maybe Conan wasn't the best fit for 1130 in the end. And um, the thing he did in TBS was way more his speed, you know, that sort of thing. So... I don't. I don't harbor the resentment. I would say. Okay, so you're not. There's no dartboard with Jay Leno's chin on it. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I have taken it down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was a, such an easy target though, to that chin. <laughs> you almost. You almost couldn't not hit it. Right. <laughs> now, I'm always curious about comedy writers who write for these late night shows because my understanding, and I'm not in the business, so maybe it's totally wrong. But you can. You can let me know what's going on here. Is that you just basically are writing jokes all day and you're just submitting jokes all day and like maybe they might use one every once in a while is that is that my perception of the comedy writing business accurate it's not that it's not that dire um <laughs> okay <laughs> it got that way towards the end of my time at the daily show because john really found his voice and kind of like we'd write a lot of jokes and he'd sort of like prefer to do kind of his like comic reactions and his takes and stuff you know like with his face and 
do more sort of like like it, it kind of like became less joke driven but that was just like the nature of the show with uh you know with conan what it was is like it is it is like pretty staggering numbers like you know you throw a lot of stuff at the wall and a very small bit of it sticks so to give you some numbers yeah. like i would probably like an average day i would write like let's say 30 30 35 jokes um on a big day if it's really hard going i might you know write 50 jokes and then the monologue itself is like 10 jokes or under and you know so the rough average is like this for four monologue writers so like you, you know an average you know is you get like one or two if you're really lucky three on but probably more like one or two a day so not quite as bad as you said but it is like you do <laughs> okay. write it you know so if i wrote 50 jokes and i got one on the day it does look pretty bad but it's also one day of work and you got a joke a national tv and conan o'brien is saying it so right. it doesn't quite feel like that <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like you just you did. You had to do all that to accomplish the one thing, which is to get something into the monologue. Right. Yeah. That that's crazy. <laughs> so as a writer, you're you're submitting jokes for the monologue, but you're also helping to write the sketches and produce segments and. Yeah. So um, on that show, uh, there was a monologue team and a sketch team. So some of the other people you might, some of the people even performed in the sketches you might remember, like Andre Dubachet and. Uh, Todd Levin and stuff like would appear in the sketches. And they were they were also in charge of writing and pitching and producing sketches. But the monologue writers were asked to to pitch ideas for sketches, and uh, if they approved one of ours, then we would go off and produce that. Cool. Uh, so I did that just not as often as some of the other people did. And then, as far as like the actual uh, interviews that that Conan does, are you writing any of that? No, that's you know, and the shows like that. There's a, a segment producer uh, slash talent booker and. That's their whole thing is like they pre-interview and they talk with the star and their publicist and they get an idea of what they're going to be doing. And they sort of they do a whole thing when they prepare Conan for that. And, and, you know, like, you know, most interviewers who have reached the level of talk show host are pretty good on their feet with doing those things as well. So obviously Conan is. So is John. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, as as we've taken a, a pit stop at the point of your career where you're writing for Conan, there's something pretty fantastic that we would love to ask you about. And that is when Weird Al appeared on Conan. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I told you we would never talk about that. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So what happened was like, you know, so um, when you have to, you're expected to pitch things every night. We had a pitch meeting after the show was over and bringing ideas. And also like, you know, sometimes when you're writing the monologue all day, you may not have as much time to research ideas. So I'm just, I'll look anywhere on the internet, you know, just to get ideas for like what could be an idea. And I've been pretty active on Twitter for a while. And uh, you guys remember Twitter? Let me tell you a story. <laughs> the old days. I, I was active on Twitter before it was um, before it was Club Penguin for Nazis. And, uh, uh, and uh, I don't know how exactly it happened, but somehow Al and I became Twitter friends. Um, I think there was an early period when it, you know, in Twitter when I think some famous people were kind of joining it and just kind of following a lot of people, or maybe he was following a lot of people in comedy. I don't know what it was. Um, but I just noticed that we were Twitter friends and uh, and I, I don't know exactly how the idea came about, but I think I just traded a few jokes with him and I was just, and maybe, I, mean, I think this is about the time when Mandatory Fun was coming out. So he was like, you know, he was back on one of his mini ascents. <laughs> he was back on the rise <laughs> yeah. in a big way again with that. And I was really thinking about him and stuff like that. And I was, and I, I really don't know how the idea came to me, but I was like, uh, Conan. So, so when Conan moved from the Tonight Show, and the Tonight Show, he took his old late night theme with him. He has that, and then there's the Tonight Show, and then he wrote his own new themes. He wrote a whole new theme song for the Conan Show, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if there was lyrics to that? And then I was just trying to think, like, who writes funny lyrics? And then of course, it took a nanosecond later. My brain tells me who writes the funniest lyrics <laughs> <laughs> ever. Right. So, um, I took this real, um. It was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a chance. And so I kind of like ran it up the flagpole and and and, uh, and they said, well, we'll see. You know, these the pitches take a long time to approve and there's a lot of layers and stuff. And they said, well, that, that could be something. So I was sort of mildly encouraged. So I went back to Al, uh, you know, and through a DM, I said, I said, would you like to um, would you like to be part of this bit where you come up, where you write the lyrics for Conan's thing song, uh, theme song, you come on and perform them. And he's like, sure, I'd love to do that. I haven't really actually done Conan before. And I was like, what <laughs> you want to talk about a Venn diagram, right? Like, you know, right, right. The fan bases, the fandoms of Conan and right. And I think it was just because like, I don't know why, but like somehow maybe just cause Al had been a little bit off the radar for a couple of years. 
And uh, so I think I think Conan hadn't been sort of paying attention to him, so he wasn't really aware of him. And he, I think he didn't even know about the new album stuff coming out. So so um, he says that sounds great. And then um, and then I, I don't remember if, how exactly like we presented it, but I, but I got his agreement, and we talked about dates. And then I presented it to them, and then. Uh, and so, th- so then the top brass said, "Yeah, let's give it a try." Kind of said, "Let's give it a try." So then it was pretty, um, it was pretty straightforward from then from that point on. Like uh, uh, Al came in, and actually, this is when Joe was an intern on the show too. So cool. Uh, uh, and so, so we got to hang out with him and stuff. Um, Al came in with some lyrics, which were amazing. And um, uh, the little funny story I'll have there is that um, you know I'm the producer of the piece and writer producer, and I thought, oh, you know, maybe. I think this might be good to put a word change in here. Or it might be good to change this phrase here and there. And I sort of presented that to Al. And, and, and I got to admit this, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but a little part of me was like, I kind of wanted to like there to be co-writing song credits for me and Al Yanker somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And also, you know, you get, you get paid, you know, you get, um, uh, ASCAP, uh, the music royalties, you get a little more money, not a lot, but it was really more the first thing, like just to imagine that right. place in history. Right. So I presented it to him and Al's like, and Al said, no, I don't think that works. And I don't think that works. And here's why. And he showed me. And I was like, oh, you were the master. <laughs> you dare question can. Weird Al? <laughs> I know, right? What was I thinking? But um, so, um, yeah, then it was, then, then he then he rehearsed it. And, and then I have to say, like, this this was really cool because, you know, you know Conan, Conan is very, like, open to all kinds of comedy. I was, as I said, Al wasn't really on his radar. And I think he was probably thinking of, like, earlier career stuff. And he wasn't really thinking of him as being... You know, he hadn't done a lot of like parodies for a while. So he was at that moment, you know, so he wasn't as much in the current either. And so, but he came on and he performed that. And Conan is like, wow, the writing on that. And he was like, you know, I mean, you know, Conan is like um, a very tough critic, right? I mean, yeah, the type of level yeah, yeah. of writing he's he's worked with, not just, I mean, not just me, of course, but, you know, his career, like he's a very critical and tough reader, but he was like really amazed by that. And then he was like, and then he just really enjoyed the rest of the segment. Like he just sat back and just grinned the whole time. Uh, <laughs> well, Al came and just it was just really simple. Al just came, you saw the segment probably. Al just came out and just sang it with the uh, with the basic cable band, and it was just right. just did his thing and, and then went over to sit on the couch and it was just like it was very simple on that point on. But you know, like as you can imagine, like there's like all kinds of negotiations behind the scenes to, to lead to these things. I, I assume I know the answer to this, but Al's performing that live on the show. Yeah, he did. He did. It's. Even listening to it, like it, it hurt, it hurts me because it's so fast and complicated. Like mm-hmm. it, it just it blows my mind. <laughs> right, because the song's very fast too. The song yeah. is like nonstop sixteenth right. notes, really, basically, and he has words for all every one of them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. it's <laughs> I don't know when he breathes in it, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. So, uh, so you you got in touch with Al, you got the the bit approved. Were you in advance going over the lyrics with Al, or was that on set? You know, with late night, everything happens really fast. So, you know, once we had the date, you know, he came in with the lyrics, and it's we all put it together that day. So he comes with the lyrics. I I, I attempted my revision and <laughs> failed, failed miserably. And then we, then we went to rehearsal where he tried it out with the band. The band obviously knew the song, of course. Right. Um, wasn't hard right. for them to learn that song. He tried it out with them. I don't think I don't believe Conan even had notes for him, which I can tell you from rehearsal is not something that happens very often, <laughs> if ever. Oh, wow. Um, and he just said, hey, yeah, we've got a thing now. So we just did. So he, then, he, you know, he hung out in his green room, uh, you know, in the Hawaiian shirt. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, um, and then you know, then we tape pretty early. We tape at like 445. So he comes on and just does it live. And that's, that's the whole thing. Incredible. <laughs> All in one day. <laughs> so the first time that Conan is hearing these lyrics is when Weird Al's doing the math, the rehearsal. Yes. Oh wow! <laughs> How about that? That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's the way that's the way late night works. Sometimes it's there's so much going through that like the host the host can't like read through everything. Like he has to right, just see right. the things that make uh-huh. it to rehearsal. There's a cutting process all the way through. So the things that have made the cut through the rehearsal, then it's then he's gonna see how they play on their feet. So. It makes sense. So, because of the nature and how you're you're describing it, I assume there's not a demo of this that you heard. It was sort of just you heard it at rehearsal and you heard it done live. Well, there's probably footage of that, but I don't know that I have access to it. <laughs> Al didn't record it and send you an MP3 ahead of time. No, but you know, like they have this. I don't know how deep you are into the, the Team Coco verse, but like they have like this thing called scraps where they like show some of the rehearsal footage sometimes where. 
Conan is usually lambasting someone for how ill-conceived their piece is. Or, <laughs> or, or he and Andy are just like goofy around because they're having a technical problem and they go off on some inspired riff. So there's, there is that stuff. I'm sure they were running, they are always running video on rehearsal footage. I just don't know if they, someone kept that or how to find that. But it does probably exist. Okay. It's probably in the, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse, if I had right. to guess. <laughs> being, being guarded by top men. Yeah. <laughs> so when the show was actually recorded, it looks like uh, Conan is is uh, has this surprised look on his face. So at that point, he had already heard the song and he was just uh, just acting, just trying to pretend he was surprised. Sorry to blow. The, sorry to burst your bubble, but <laughs> yeah, no, okay, no. It, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's that's part of his stick too, is because he wants to look to look. Yeah, of course. He wants to experience it the way the audience experiences it, or to present that image. <laughs> What happens after Al does his his piece? Because that was pretty early in the show. He came out. He did the you know the the theme his, with his own music. Does Al go back to the green room and just hang around? And do you have a big after party afterwards, or does Al just hop in his car and go home? What's what's the rest of the story? Well, we did the show four days a week, so imagine that's a lot of after parties. It would be a lot of after parties if we do. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think in this, I think in that one, he he went to the over to the couch. And chatted with. Him. Oh, okay. If, yeah. if I recall, I, I can't remember if he did that because then I remember that, like, I think in part as a result of that one, uh, he came on. He came on not much later to for his actual mandatory fun tour, and then he did the whole thing where he played a song, and and then sure he probably went to the couch after that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't remember. It was quite a while ago, but I can <laughs> okay. imagine that yeah. had some. You know, if someone just came on and did a bit, and then they would just, you know, a comedian will come on and just do a bit and then leave usually. Um, but okay. I think that he probably came over and, and chatted for a few minutes. And then, you know, and then, he, then he scoot over for the next guest, that kind of thing. So in Al's new movie, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, there is a really wonderful cameo from Conan as Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, can you take some credit in connecting the two of them? <laughs> I mean, I think, well, like, like I said, like like he, he really like won Conan over with that. And then he wanted to have him on for mandatory fine and then i think so i think you could say that i i guess you could say in a way i kind of reintroduced him if that makes sense yeah or got go, got out back on his yeah. radar so i'm going to take full credit for that and i'm going to also could take a cut of conan's acting salary for <laughs> excellent <laughs> rob i want to talk about some of these amazing books and projects that you've been working on over the years go for it you put out a book called The Future According to Me. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was um, an editor. Uh, so Amazon, when they were kind of getting into the whole Kindle, when they introduced the Kindle, uh, and it was kind of a new thing, they were they were, they were were commissioning some original works to kind of like, you know, get some attention in the marketplace. And this editor reached out to me and said, do you want to do like, a, it was like in sort of novella, do you want to do like, they call it a Kindle single, so like a little, you know, bite-sized book. They said, do you want to do a little uh, humor book for us? And I was like, sure, um, that sounds cool. It was kind of like newer technology then, and it would just be digital only, so you wouldn't be waiting like, you know, with a book you wait like a year or longer for it to even come out. So everybody can download it. It was like 99 cents. So that sounded fun. And I think what it had come for me was, um, I'd sort of developed, uh, I've developed, uh, some shows I was getting interest, interest in developing animated shows and I have a kind of a sci-fi bent and there was one of them where I was kind of like imagining some really crazy future that someone was coming from but we didn't really see it but we just saw that it was crazy where they were coming from this is all like pre-Rick and Morty so right um, and so and then, and then I sort of realized that later on that actually that whole future was more interesting than the story I was trying to tell and then um, there was a there's a book called Some by this uh, neuroscientist named David Eagleman and it's basically like it's like 30 like really super short stories like flash fiction that are all about aspects of consciousness which it sounds a little bit weighty when i say it that be but it's like it's all kind of like different ways that we experience the world and stuff like that it's pretty interesting it was like all these like little bite-sized views on the same thing and i thought oh that's a really interesting model so i basically stole that kind of idea and i did like 32 like little flash fiction like kind of riffs you would really say on different kinds of futures. Hmm. Some of them just sort of extending current trends. Um, some of them just taking like, you know, crazy left turns. You know, like one of them was like just a future where like ADHD became like like COVID, like a contagion that spread across the whole <laughs> world. And so everyone was like super attention deprived. The Olympics only lasted four minutes, you know, things like that. 
Um, one of them was really, uh, Israel and Palestine settled their differences by turning the whole country into a quantum state where it could be probabilistically either Israel or Palestine, <laughs> depending on how you looked at it. So just just all kinds of, like, whatever, wherever my weird brain would go. I, and I went, like, on vacation with my family in Florida. I had this yellow legal pad. I just wrote all these weird ideas down. And, you know, a few of them weren't shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I went with those. <laughs> What I also want to hear about is the audio version of this and how Emo Phillips is one of the narrators. Yes, that was a dream. That was a dream get for me. And I think he was um, some of the monologue writers I worked with at Conan. I think it was Brian Kiley uh, are big in the stand up world. And I think he knew him through that. So I just I just envisioned him for that. And I, I lived his albums coming up. And so I just, you know, you know, when, it, when it, these projects, you reach out to a lot of people and you don't often get the people you get. But. Uh, but he was into it. Uh, so that was just a really like, kind of unexpectedly lucky thing that I was excited about. That is so cool. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of really good narrators in that series. Yeah, the guy from Welcome um, Cedric, uh, Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale. That guy, I love his voice. Uh, very much in my vibe, too. That kind of thing. One of the members of the Go Go's <laughs> I did a different project with before. It was a very distinctive uh, voice. You know, it was, so it was, cool. that was fun to, to kind of find people for. So I also want to ask you about your podcast, Runaway Brains, which I understand is not actually anything that <laughs> is available anymore, but seems like a really great podcast because of many reasons, but most importantly, it stars Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. How did that come up? Um, <laughs> so this is, again, like cast cast your memories back to an, ancient, an earlier era, youngsters. Uh, this this is when, when podcast was new, when when only 75% of the population had a podcast instead of the full 99. (laughs) But this was, this was sort of back in the era when there was like, uh, they were mostly like, for lack of a better word, gab fests, you know, it was like two comedians or sports guys or political guys just kind of getting out there and gabbing and like, they'd be 90 minutes long, that sort of thing. They're all like that. And it was like, um, and I just thought like, I can't ever listen to those things because they're freaking 90 minutes long. <laughs> and also, like, the podcast is such a cool moody. I'm like the whole audio thing. But, like, what if you just want to have something that's, like, scripted and tight and funny and, you know, in, like, really, really, like, um, again, sort of bite-sized, like the future according to me, like bite-sized things. And, um, you know, like a radio, like kind of an old-school radio play, really. That's what I was thinking about. Um, and I don't remember where I, how the idea came exactly about, but um, I was a big Jeopardy fan and oh and so i think this is also in a way kind of out of twitter because i was kind of twitter friends with ken jennings as well um who by the way if you don't follow him very very funny guy like very sharp-witted and stuff like that yeah um um, really fun guy and he was also kind of fun to kind of like parry on the twitter marketplace sometimes but um you know i had this idea for you know you remember he famously um he famously went on jeopardy against watson the ibm computer many years ago this is weird in this era of ai now to talk about this it's, it's, um uh but yeah so he went out and I, I think he lost to watson as i recall but um or at least one of the games so he went up against watson and i had this idea of like what if ken jennings and watson were like a buddy comedy like what if they had to, <laughs> they were like on the run and they had to work together and then it's sort of like it and then and then what happened was um so so there was this you know there were these podcasts i talked about they were kind of talk based and then there's a few companies that were starting to do a few innovative things in the comedy space. And I, I, and I, I queried a few of them and I said, here's my credentials and I can, I can find some talent. And, uh, are you interested in, I said, are you interested in an idea for me that would be like a scripted comedy podcast, like limited, limited series. And they were like, sure. What do you got? And so, um, <laughs> so I came up with this full fledged idea where basically like in the lore of the show, uh, Watson contains military secrets. And so he's too dangerous to be left at large. It's too dangerous to be left at large. And so the government tries to shut down the Jeopardy show uh, and capture Watson. And instead, Ken Jennings and Watson shoves Watson in his backpack and they escape and they go on the lam and the government's kind of chasing them. And then it becomes a sort of like fevered odyssey through like conspiracy theories and lizard people and, and all the basically weird obsessions that I had, I think for a long time, um, I don't know if you remember the, if any of you guys know the Robert Anton Wilson Illuminati books, um, but they're these sort of like comic sci-fi conspiracy books from like a long time ago, um, all kinds of weird ideas and stuff like that. So I thought like, 
uh, I thought like, why not just use this as a vehicle to explore that? And then I thought like, I don't know how it came to me, but I think it was probably as a result of having a good experience with Elkona. But I was like, I was like, Weird Al will be such a funny computer because <laughs> I, I was thinking about computers differently. I think the way they are now, like sort of like Siri, where like instead of being like, I, I'm a computer, it does not compute like that, you know, that kind of right. thing. I think I feel like the sort of computers like the AI are, nowadays are more like, hi, I'm a human. Totally. Look how friendly I sound. You have that kind of fit, you know, like your GPS, yeah. they have that fake thing. And I thought like, it'd be funny to have kind of like Weird Al sort of like kind of quirky, cartoony sort of fruity voice being like the robot emulator voice. <laughs> Plus he's just, you know, him as the foil to Ken Jennings just seems like, I don't know. So anyway, so miraculously they both agreed to this. Um, and then I really, I didn't ever actually record Ken in person, but but Al, I, I, I booked a studio where I had all the actors come through. I had a bunch of other actors come through. And so Al came in just for like three hours on one recording day. He, he had the script nailed, of course, but he also had like, this is amazing too. It won't be maybe amazing to you, but like just acting wise, like he had so many options in his pocket for how to do things. Like, you know, actors, I'm used to having actors come in and have takes, you know different takes but he had like right. a really wide range of different ways that he would attack something comically and it was really impressive i mean like that would be impressive in any kind of character actor but it was like it was like extra cool that he had this like he had such a um such a flexibility and range and also you know he's very professional so like we weren't like we weren't messing around he got everything down he got great takes of everything and I'm pretty sure we were done early if not on time wow how awesome and how many episodes did uh, runaway brains run so it was just, it was a limited series. And I think we just did like, I think it was just 10 episodes and they were each about 10 minutes total. Okay. Yeah. And it was, it was part of this aggregator called Howl FM, which I think does not exist anymore, which is why you can't find it. But um, ah. it was a subscription only service where they put comedy bang, bang and WTF on it, I think for a while. And I think people didn't subscribe at the time um, or, or whatever, but um uh, so it's not there anymore, but I have it. <laughs> I definitely have the files. I kept the files for sure. Well, good. <laughs> and it has, um, it has like, um, it has a bunch of people. It has Mayan Bialik. It has uh, Adam Pally. It has um, uh, Josh Molina, um, Michael Ian Black. Uh, just, a, just a bunch of like, also people I just wanted to work with. And, I, and honestly, I got to say, like, I think having Al on it was like the magnet. I'll say that too. Like. Um, uh, like I know, I know Mayim, I've worked with Mayim on some projects since then, but I didn't know her that well then. I knew her sort of, I, I knew her through friends of friends, but she mm -hmm. is a huge Weird Al fan. Right. I knew that about her. Right. And so I reached out yeah. with that as like the bait. I was like, do you want to be in this? I like subject line, Weird Al project. You want in? <laughs> <laughs> I got a very fast response on that. And I, and I have to say, I think it actually was kind of like what I used to attract some of the other talent that I didn't have any connection to. Cause it's like everybody would love to work with him or to be like affiliated with him. Even yeah. some of the people who helped out, like someone, the, the guy who made yeah. the, the cover art for it, like is a very talented artist named Jason Moore, who I work with on stuff. And, and he loves Al and he was like, I'm so excited to, to create something for him on it. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> it was just, everyone like wants to be in on something he's doing. So that made my job easier. So cool. That's awesome. And you, you uh, sort of predicted the hosts of Jeopardy, too. Right. By assembling Mayim and Ken. How about that? That's amazing. I'm like the, I'm like the Simpsons in that way. Right. In only that way. <laughs> well, we got to talk about your brand new book. It just came out. It just came out on July 25th. It is called Snot Goblins and Other Tasteless Tales. And Weird Al hasn't read it, but... I read it and I think it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to be fair, I, I sent it to him. Um, I sent it to him uh, while he was just about to go on tour. Uh, I think it was fall before last when we were um, we were gathering blurbs for it. And he said, "He said I don't have time to read it, but send it to me later." And then he said, "But do you want a really funny blurb for it?" I was like, "Yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he, by the way, this is the first blurb I got of any of the blurbs I got for the book. Um, uh, he says. I have not read this book, but based on the cover alone, I'm just going to go ahead and predict that it will be crowned the next great American novel on par with Moby Dick and the Great Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then, so we we put that on the back cover, and there's a little joke that springs off of that. But I'm going to save that for people to actually buy the book or, or find it in stores. Awesome. <laughs> now, what I really loved about the book is 
you know, when I was a kid, my favorite book series was obviously Captain Underpants. Uh, I was the tar- I was the right age, the right obviously. time when that came out, and I feel like Snot Goblins and other tasteless tales would absolutely have a spot on my ten year old Ethan shelf uh, because it is just there's grossness, there's humor, there's irreverence. I just I, I think it's really. Uh, a fantastic book. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of these stories and your process? Yeah, I think, by the way, that's like the highest compliment you could pay me because that was exactly the target of it. Um, I'll tell you the exact origin story of it was, and Captain Apprentice is 100% spot on because, um, so my daughter is now a teenager, but when she was in third grade, uh, um, so you remember, do you guys remember, I hope your audience does from the Captain Underputs book, book um, in one of the books, there's a, um, there's a, it presents a whole rubric of how you can come up with your Captain Underpants code name. Yes. It's like, if your first name begins A to K, then you're, you know, Booger. If you're, you're yeah. this, then you're, you know, yeah. you know, Booger Poopy Pants. Like you came up with a code name that was one of these disgusting combinations of Dave Pilkey words. Um, <laughs> that was so popular and so like out of control that the third grade teacher had to like ban Captain Underpants names. Say, <laughs> no Captain Underpants. And I was like, if you're going to be a children's author, that is the target you want. You want the thing that yes. is so irresistible and the authorities don't like it enough that they have to like name it in the band. Like, so so that that was sort of like, that was always been a kind of a burning passion of mine. And then, um, and like I said, I, I, I wrote for Mad Magazine uh, a couple of years ago and uh, I ended up collaborating on a couple of things with an artist named David DeGrand who, um, who, uh, who ha- who who um, also illustrates like SpongeBob comics and Simpsons comics and uh, uh, the show called Death Hacks. He does all kinds of stuff. He's a very distinctive style, um, which you'll see uh, uh, you see on the book. Um, and he was approached by people looking for you know kids graphic novel ideas from him. And he and I really worked together. We really have very similar sensitive humor. And so he said, "You got any ideas?" And I was like, "Well, let's see." And then he says, "Like," and he just said, "Like, what about like?" Just, he just I love that this is this is a creative artist race. He says, what about like just stories that just go for the gross, like the grossest things, yeah. <laughs> just gross people out. But kids, because kids love yeah. that. And I was like, oh yeah, they do love that, don't they? And I was thinking about the Captain Underpants stuff. Yeah. And then, um, and then I think what we said, he I think he had like one or two ideas. He's like, what about? I think he had the idea of snot goblins. He said, what about a book of gross stories called snot goblins? <laughs> and that was really about the extent of it, like a collection of tales. And then. And then we sat down and then uh, he had sort of just sort of one line ideas for a couple of the stories. And then I had some and then we sort of finally settled on five of them that we liked and kind of hashed out like uh, we didn't write the book. You know, you sell a book proposal first. Right. So he did some sample art. We did like write ups. We put a proposal together and he had um, I don't know if he had a book agent or he had entree to one. But anyway, he found a book agent uh, who sold it to um, an imprint at Macmillan and um a graphic novel imprint and um i mean that was the extent of it but like but the, the the basic story of it is it's five uh standalone tales that are basically riffs on horror tropes so there's like a mummy story there's a vampire story there's a ghost story, a story about <laughs> trolls but they all have a comedic angle so like the troll story is like it's a war of internet trolls versus actual cave trolls um the the mummy story is like it's a step it's called the step mummy it's like about a blended family where a father marries a second wife and it's she's a mummy from ancient egypt and <laughs> things don't things are really hard for the teen daughter that sort of stuff so they're all like they're not really they're like hotel transylvania scary i should say like right horror tropes but not really scary but like funny angles on them and then the sort of unspoken emphasis is like how can we like how gross things happen throughout <laughs> it. so you know so like the <laughs> egyptian story like um uh, the ste- the the step mummy's uh, step the stepson is like a little mummy too, and they eat disgusting Egyptian foods, which were actual real things from Egypt, like you know, oh really, fermented fermented fish innards <laughs> was a thing you would eat, things like that. That that's like natural grossness, and then and then we would just look for the opportunity where wherever else we could, like snot goblins. Snot goblins is like little creatures that come out of your nose, and they're all or are secretly they're like sentient snot creatures, and they have this big plan to take over the world <laughs> and return it to the primordial snot. <laughs> puddle was they call the um the the mucus galactus so um so we have these big you know these big stories and then each one just has like an emphasis and because of david so it's it's a little bit hard to explain this over an audio but if you see it he is a very like um i don't even know how to describe it but his style is very like tactile i guess 
Like things are really right. bubbly and big and round, and you know, it is really. You think of a Mad Magazine cartoon, it's, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, but it's like it, it's, it is. It's yeah. mad, yes. It is. It lends itself to fluids and substances, <laughs> and you know, oozing things like really well. Like the style just matches that. So we just went for that wherever we would, but it was in a way that, like, in a way that kids would like. It would tickle that naughty, forbidden improper thing but it wouldn't like alienate grown-ups or like you know well we're hoping that it gets banned in florida but uh, <laughs> you, know. you can only hope <laughs> yeah i actually am, i'm hoping for a, a, at least part of salman rushdie's story where it gets so banned that everybody wants it but uh <laughs> kids are passy around in secret you know i i was wondering so during the troll story there is a mention of rocky road ice cream is that a reference to weird Al's i love rocky road Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. <laughs> All right, I knew I, I knew I found something. <laughs> no, it's... Um, I don't remember why that reference is in there exactly, but I, I don't think that is. But obviously, I mean, look, obviously that's that's part of my like creative DNA. I mean, like I'm older than you guys, and I remember when that song came out. So <laughs> um, that was one of the first, uh, probably one of the first music videos I would show my kids when they were little. I was showing music videos. I would show them the original and I would show them a Weird Al parody. And of course, that's awesome. They wanted to watch. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> no, it's, it's excellent. Well, congratulations on the new book. We were talking about how obviously everyone needs to go out and purchase the Snot Goblins book. But I'm sure also our listeners are going to be really interested to hear that Runaway Brains podcast that's no longer available. So we talked about what if our listeners purchased Snot Goblins and then there would be a way for them to download Runaway Brains. What if? Let's just make it possible. Let's do it. <laughs> let's not make it theoretical. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I thought that would be of interest to your just to, if you're... Um, if your listeners buy it, um, I think that would be a cool bonus that I think uh, I would let. And I'd love to share Runaway Brains with the whole audience that may not have heard it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear it personally. I searched in my email inbox and I guess Stitcher had recommended it to me a few times over the years. <laughs> and I guess I just never opened their emails. So <laughs> that's my fault. I think this is part of the problem that was behind this paywall and stuff like right. that too. So I think, I think it didn't get out there in the right. same way. but. But yeah, so um, yeah, so it'll be it's only available through me now. But uh, yeah, your <laughs> listeners will get if they buy the if they buy the book, uh, they'll get a free digital download of it. And it's like a it's about an hour and a half long, I think. So that's an hour and a half of Weird Al ear candy for you. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Rob, we really appreciate you coming by and and telling us all about your awesome career and, and uh, working with Al and Conan and working on this great new book. We can find out more information about you and and uh, links to purchase at robcutner.com and we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. This has been a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. Once again, we'd love to thank Rob for joining us and thanks to Cousin Joe Jaffa for putting us in touch with Rob. You can visit Rob over at robcutner.com at Apocalypse How on Twitter and at Rob Cutner on Threads. And be sure to check out and follow the fantastic and also Weird Al superfan illustrator David D. Grand to see his work and some hilarious drawings he did to promote snot goblins. You can follow him over on Instagram at David D. Grand and at dgrandland.com. Don't forget to take advantage of Rob's special offer for our listeners only. If you buy a copy of his brand new book, Snot Goblins, he will send you the digital files to his scripted audio series where Weird Al voices IBM's Watson. To take advantage of this offer, after you purchase the book, make sure you email our intern Frank at frank at 2000inch.com and we'll make sure you get those files. After the interview, Rob wanted us to clarify that after singing Conan's theme song, Weird Al did not in fact join Conan on the couch on account of him running away in fear after revealing Conan's deadly secret. However, Al did, of course, join Conan on the couch during later, much more conventional, and much less life-threatening appearances. Really? Again? Didn't we do this already this episode? Yeah, we did. But anyway, that sound means we have a call on the 347 Spatula Hotline. Let's hear it, Intern Frank. Hello, this is David. And this is Henry! We're calling to wish Dave a happy birthday! Jeez, Dave! How many of these birthdays are you gonna have? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry! 
Fortunately, Dave won't have many more to go. If I have anything to say about it. If I remember correctly, this is the year your birthday started becoming a serious fire hazard with all those candles. <laughs> Pretty soon, Dave, you're going to have to change your name to David. <laughs> I don't know, David. Have you looked in a chromium refractor lately? You're pretty old yourself! <coughs> hey! At least I'm not as old as Dave! That's true! From all of us here in the future, congratulations on being one year closer to being back in diapers, Dave! Seriously, can we get their number blocked or something? Oh no, I hope this isn't them calling back again! Alright, let's hear it, Frank. Hey there, Dave and Ethan. It's your old pal Chris, the cartoon-loving geek from Canada. Well, I can tell by the old George of the Jungle-themed clock on the wall that once again it's time to... celebrate Dave's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dave, old buddy. Well, just like I promised you around the end of May, I got you something extra special. That's right. I got you two tickets to someplace incredible. And, uh, now it's not tickets to the History of Refrigerators Museum. I really did try to get you tickets to those. I really did. But they were sold out for the year. Can you believe that? Well, don't worry. Instead, I got you two tickets to a place that's just as fun. But, just like what I did with Ethan, I'm not telling you where it is. You'll just have to wait until it arrives in the mail to find out where you're going. And that's provided Frank stays out of the mail again, but you know what I mean. And just like Ethan, all I ask is that both you and whoever you choose to go with you have fun. Yeah, I'd go myself, but I can't. I've already got my hands full helping out a friend of mine as a part-time gorilla masseuse. In fact, i got to work on King Kong's lower back next week. Can you believe that? Well, that being said, you have yourself a happy birthday, Dave, and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Oh, and don't forget to eat a lot of broccoli and drink a lot of beer. Oh, and uh, Frank, if you're eavesdropping again for the umpteenth time, no, you're still not getting any birthday gifts from me this year. Once again, you still don't deserve any. Especially not after you wore those shoes. You know what I'm talking about. That pair of shoes we told you not to buy and yet you bought anyway? That particular pair of shoes that we told you not to wear and yet you still wore them? Seriously, 27 times in a row we told you not to wear them, and you still put them on. Frank, seriously, just how stupid are you? Really? <sighs> well, that's it for me. Ciao, guys. Chris, thank you so much for the call. And Dave, I didn't know you went to Tool Town, the place where every nut is welcome, because Chris got you tickets. Oh, yeah, I had to go try their famous ball-peen hammer ride. Oh, and I could not miss the Hall of Ratchets and Journey into Insulation. Oh, Expedition Ever Ready was incredible. Did you get to check out 20,000 Creeks Under Your Feet or Bob Vila's Astro Plasters or the Fixable Cruise while you were there, too? I did. I hit those up right after I hit the Universe of Carpentry. What a great place that tool town is. Every nut is welcome. Well, Dave, who did you bring with you for your second ticket? Oh, you know there was only one person I could bring. The lovable, adorable Ruth Buzzy. But what about what Chris was saying about intern Frank? Seriously, Chris, do not bother. There's no getting through to Frank. I've been banging him down on my bended knees for years telling him not to wear those shoes. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, especially Dave because it was his birthday... Thank you for being our Weird Al admiring, cartoon-loving geek of a friend from Canada, Chris. And thanks for the tickets to Tool Town. What a great place. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, uh, beautiful, it's also raffly. Hey, Ethan, what are you doing tonight at 6 p.m. Twine Ball time? Um, I don't know, probably shaving someone's back for a wooden nickel? Why? Well, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Twine Ball time, all summer long, Trouble's number two restaurant and bar in Darwin is having a meat raffle. Meat raffle? Dave, why would you think I'd be interested in a meat raffle? You know I'm a vegetarian, right? Yes, of course, Ethan, but it's a quintessential Minnesotan bar tradition. 
I just thought you'd like to be exposed to some fine Minnesotan culture. Uh, that sounds horrible, Dave. Uh, I don't even know where to begin here. Oh, come on. Winning numbers are drawn from a bucket, or get this, sometimes a wheel is spun to determine the winners. Wait, does the wheel have numbers on it? Or is it just, like, meat stapled to a board, like the wheel of fish? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, Dave, as unappetizing as that sounds, I gotta pass. Oh, okay. Well, maybe some other time. Remind me to ask you again next Wednesday. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next meaty expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Wizard Burger, Jackson Scoggins, and Discover Darwin. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters, Javier, Ron, Scott, UH Jeff, Mike, Matt, Kenneth, Gus and Alicia, Allison, Adriana, Ajax, Jake, Zeb, Zach, Dana B, Blair, Kev, and also thanks to Sheepdog David Grant over at Wolf and Wold Productions and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, which gives you early access to each and every bonus episode, and it gives you the self-satisfaction of doing something important with your otherwise pitiful, meaningless, snot-goblin-like existence. And now would be a really good time to join if you have not joined already, because you'll be the very first to hear each and every one of our remaining brand new Ridiculously Self-Indulgent bonus episodes the second that they drop. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly towards supporting our fine podcast. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rump to Goody related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you are there, click on Ridixly self-indulgent bonus episodes and follow along with our adventures on the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour and click on black and white and weird all over bonus episodes for our special series where we sit down with author john bermuda schwartz and he walks us through his first book page by page and picture by picture Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Not only does subscribing help the podcast, but if you don't, next time you go to the beach, you'll get sand stuck in your bathing suit, and then it will work its way into your butt, and then your butt will be like a clam, and it will make pearls, and there's a gross, you don't want butt pearls! Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula, as seen in the Illustrated Al. That number is 347-772-8852. Give it a call, and you might even hear your message in a future episode thank you once again to our guest rob cutner for joining us this episode thank you to joe jaffa uh jeff nucera chloe adriana yugovich scott o brother Sorensen, chad kelson aka metal Owl, chris sear our weird al admiring cartoon loving geek of a friend from canada david henry and thank you to grammy award-winning jim kimo west for our incredible podcast theme song and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast most likely would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you, as always, for choosing David Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. Keep listening to Weird Al and stay cheesy. Hey, Dave, I, I just got a quick question for you. Sure, go ahead. So you're 49 years old? Yep. Well, that's great if you could use a nice heavy paperweight. (laughs) Ah, very funny. Hey, did you used to call the song Good Old Days just Good Days back in the day since you're so old? (laughs) 
Oh, very clever, Ethan. Hey, Dave, I bet you remember the theme from Rocky One. <laughs> hey, have you ever met any of the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park? Oldie. <laughs> what about Barney Rubble? Is he really a little wiener? <laughs> Hey, 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 did you party like it was 1699? Or was your birthday party ruined once again by explosive old guy flatulence? <laughs> that was Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 201 Inch. AARP cards accepted here. I hired the best lyricist in the business. Please welcome Weird Al Yankovic. It's gonna be- He's a late 19th master, with stand of alabaster. He's been awesome since the 80s, and handy with the ladies. Tells his bosses where to stick it. He's Andy's meal ticket. Doesn't follow me on Twitter. It's okay, I'm not bitter. Gonna tell you more about him. But first I'll just say, hey, look at me. This one time when Conan and I went camping, we were roasting weenies, and then some guy walks in our campsite, Conan goes completely mental, and rips a stranger's face off, wears a face on top of his face, and does this stupid dance while wearing this enormous diaper, made out of baby kittens, and he does that creepy laugh that still haunts my dream to this day, oh no, what have I done now? He said that I'd be sorry if I told a single soul, and I just told everybody right here on his own TV show, that I'm in so much trouble, tell my wife and kid I love them, I better run for my life.